Good morning. My name is Nick Youngberg, and I'm recording from here in my backyard in Farmington, Minnesota. It happens to be the quietest place at my house right now, um, so this is where we'll be. Um, but I'm excited to be with you this morning and uh, to share with you some scripture reading. So if you'd like to, feel free to turn along in your, in your Bibles or just listen along as I read. Our first reading comes from Matthew 23, verses 1 through 13. It goes like this. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you. But don't follow their example, for they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with their unbearable religious demands, and they never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms they wear extra-wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra-long tassels, and they love to sit at the head of the table at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi. Don't let anyone call you rabbi, for you have only one teacher, and all of you are equals at equal as brothers and sisters. And don't address anyone here on earth as father, for only God in heaven is your father. And don't let anyone call you teacher, for you have only one teacher, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be um, the greatest among you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves, and you don't let others enter either. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even, even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Our next reading today comes from the book of Amos, um, and it is Amos 5, uh, verses 21 through 24. I hate and despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing uh, stream. virtually, and we, we sense the Holy Spirit among us when we read God's Word, when we sing together, and so we come to this time in teaching and the conclusion of our series on Love Thy Neighbor with this final thought, this idea of pride. So to begin, I was recalling a story last week. Uh, it was late fall when we moved into our, our last home, and so that we didn't really get to meet everyone that was in the neighborhood because it got cold and then people sit in their house, they hide away, they hunker down, they just hibernate. And so just as spring started to thaw, one of our neighbors uh, had a lot of activity that we didn't really see over the late fall and the winter, but 
It seemed like lots of cars were going in and out of the house, kitty corner across the street. And we heard from, from the buzz of the neighborhood that uh, the wife that lived there was sick. And my wife turned to me and she said, you need to go over there and be a pastor to them. And I looked at her and I said, but I don't know. I don't, I don't think I'm really a pastor. I'm just a junior high pastor. And I don't know how to do hospice care if she really is sick. And I've never done a funeral before. And I, I wouldn't know what to do. And like seven, maybe 10 days later, there was this small weight of guilt and this huge weight from the Holy Spirit speaking to me about my weak and fearful faith. And so I walked across the street to see if there was anything I could do or if I could even pray with them. I met uh, a woman at the door who was older than me, but much younger than the couple who lived there. And I said hello, and I asked how they were doing. And the woman informed me that the wife or the woman had passed away earlier that week. And before I had a chance to thoughtfully respond to that, uh, I'm pretty sure she said, I'm really worried about dad. They did everything together. I'll let him know that you stopped by. And as she shut the door, I began the longest 150-foot walk that I can remember. I had guilt and shame like falling on top of me because I didn't go over there sooner. I didn't know if these neighbors had any faith-filled people in their lives, if they were part of any church but it was this significant moment in my life to remember to build relationships with people when crisis isn't happening so that when it does, not if it does, because it always will, so that when it does, it won't be as difficult or as fearful to cross the street again. How are you doing at building relationships with your neighbors? Maybe your physical neighbors, Maybe it's your vocational neighbors or your educational neighbors, if you will, the people you go to school with, or your recreational neighbors, the people you get to hang out with and, and spend time doing fun activities with. As we conclude this series, I want you to just reflect on if you've been able to fill out the neighborhood map, learn the people's names of, the, of your neighbors, and if you've sensed any progress, maybe the Holy Spirit could speak to you right now about how you've been able to overcome any fears in the last few weeks, uh, find common ground with people that you are different from, or even making time for your neighbors. I got to spend some time in my front yard this week instead of my backyard. And as we conclude, we come to possibly the most challenging piece of loving our neighbors. And I just call it receiving help. See, when I think back to the relationship with that neighbor that I was mentioning, I think the stumbling block that was the biggest obstacle was I kept trying to figure out how I could serve him. I mean, before his wife had gotten sick, I saw this neighbor uh, many times out in his yard or in his garage. He was always working on something. He had a tool for everything that your home or your gas-powered equipment could need. And I mean that, like car, truck, motorhome, gas trimmer, snow thrower. I think you get the idea. The guy had it all. And so I couldn't see how there was any way 
that he needed my help. Maybe you can see the error of my thinking. I was so focused on me helping him that it wasn't until I was gone for a week, I'm pretty sure it was for a mission trip, and my wife was at home with our four-year-old, our two-year-old, and our two-month-old. And she decided that she was going to get rid of our globe arborvitae bushes, like a dozen of them. So I came home from the trip, and all I see are these little craters of dirt where the bushes used to be all throughout the yard. Hey, honey, what happened? Oh, I decided those bushes were ugly, and they had to go. And I just walked over to Norm's, because he's got his big red truck, and I thought, hey, Norm, could you help me figure out a way to get rid of these bushes? And so he just drove his pickup on the yard, strapped a rope or, you know, tow rope or chains around each bush and yanked him out. It was really easy. Oh, okay. So, I'm not making this up, people. <laughs> so maybe we should do something nice for him. Oh, the girls and I baked and brought over cookies, and he seemed pretty pleased with that. So some unlovely bushes a big red truck, and some freshly baked chocolate chip cookies are what started that friendship. See, I kept working so hard at figuring out what I needed to do. From that point forward, anytime I didn't have the right tool or the right know-how, which was kind of a lot, Norm, my neighbor, became my first call. Now, I'm sure that someone out there is thinking, well, gosh, that sounds so needy. <laughs> that sounds so dependent, like inadequate. You can't figure stuff out on your own. I don't want to be that neighbor. At least that's what I was thinking as I was listening to me. Now, I'm not suggesting that you be that neighbor with every neighbor every time because then you will be that neighbor. I'm suggesting that you prayerfully consider the people who live around you, the people who you work around, that you go to school around, that you hang out with, and you ask the Holy Spirit how to build relationship with a few of them. I am fairly confident that at least one of those people will be for you to ask them for help. Next. I want us to consider our Bible readings today. Jesus and the prophet Amos critique the pride of the religious leaders and the religious people of their day. In Amos 5, he says, I hate all your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. He's saying the way that you gather as the church is full of hypocrisy. It's full of show. And then Jesus kind of follows right on the tail and says everything that these religious leaders do is for show. They wear extra long prayer shawls with these tassels. They wear extra wide prayer boxes so that people can see that they must have memorized lots of scripture. They love to sit in the important places at the banquets and the seats of honor at the religious services. And they love to receive the respectful greeting. See, as I hear all those things, the religious leaders and the people are concerned about their clothing, their status, and their titles. That was 2,000 years ago. 
See how evolved humans have become? That we don't put clothing or status or titles over human needs? Or maybe we still do. See, I think we all succumb to pride. And Jesus is telling them, and he's telling us today, that pride keeps you from focusing on others and instead makes us focus on ourselves. And think about the social media, the social distancing, and the uncertain summer that we're all experiencing. We have a ton of opportunities to continue to focus on ourselves. We've got to fight that. The Apostle Paul reminds us, as he taught, like, the, like he taught the Philippians in Philippians 2, to not be selfish, to not try to impress others, to be humble in our thinking as, other, thinking, as thinking of others as better than ourselves, and to not look out only for our own interests, but also to the interests of others. See, Jesus is not just saying, don't focus on yourself. He's also warning them and us that pride causes us not to practice what we teach. In fact, it makes us have our words and our actions not match. The way Amos says it is, I see the hypocrisy of your life, and so I don't accept the way you sing or the way you offer or the way you sacrifice. And I don't know about you, but in this time of at-home worship, of not getting to be together, I need God to accept my praise and my offerings every time I gather virtually. I need God to see my singing and my sacrifice because I miss you because it's hard to not be together. So lastly, I think Jesus warns us that pride causes you and me to give God a little bit of the extras of our life, but to withhold the heavy elements of heart change. I'll say that again because it's kind of a mouthful. Jesus warns us that pride causes us to give God the little bits of extras in our life but withhold the heavy elements of heart change. So I get that from when Jesus makes this obscure reference to these spicy herbs that start out as these small seeds, specifically dill, mint, and cumin. I just found our seasonings. We've got little cumin seeds, and they're tiny. And so literally, the religious people, they would count them off. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. They'd slide one over, and then they'd do it again, and they'd slide one over, and they were tithing on their little seeds. Now, each of these seeds are what's known as flavor enhancers, the seeds that Jesus references. None of them are staple seasonings. See, Jesus then speaks of these weightier things, these weightier as in hard-to-carry-out ingredients, like seeds from God's law that protect and cultivate life. Think about it. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Each of these are things that protect and cultivate life. See, I think that the mint, the dill, the cumin, the justice, mercy, and the faith, how they interact with pride is it's so much easier for us to count the little seeds and then give a tenth away than it is to help needy people in substantial ways. That's much more difficult. Or how we show mercy 
to people who are oppressed is going to require a sacrifice of time, of convenience, of comfort. And faithfulness means that we might lose jobs or lose reputations or lose friends because we stand with Jesus or we stand against what is oppressive. See, sometimes I think pride causes us to post our spicy opinions on social media and and all kinds of things. It's just whatever is current and whatever is kind of controversial right now. So right now, I think it's in-person education or whether or not there should be mask mandates or heaven help us, the political elections that are coming. Now, don't hear me say, don't engage in current events. I think our faith compels us to engage in current issues. But our faith also compels us to do that in a Christ-centered, spirit-saturated way with kindness, with mercy, with compassion, with empathy. It takes humility to pray for our leaders, the ones we vote for and the ones we don't or didn't. It takes compassion and humility to pray for our educators, our school principals and our school boards and our administration that are figuring out how to care for the young and the old physically, mentally, relationally. See, our pride pushes us to say, if you don't agree with me, I'm not listening to you. I'm not accepting you. But humility says, I love you. I accept you. I may not agree with everything you say, but I see your value. I see you as my brother or sister, and you are worthy to God and to this world. Humility says, I need you. I need Jesus, and I need to move towards Jesus every day in order to love God and love others. So where are you doing, how are you doing with humility. See, that's what I think this brings us to, is what does it mean for you and for me in this uncertain summer to hold humility, to embody humility, and to love our neighbors? Well, what I learned in my interactions with my neighbor, Norm, is that reciprocal relationships are the ones that grow and get strong. We not only have to give, but we have to receive. Otherwise, it becomes too one-sided. And if we're honest, we have to admit that we love to give, for most of us, more than we receive. Helping others makes us feel good. We think it strengthens us, but part of loving our neighbor is actually humbling ourselves to allow them to help us. It's giving them an opportunity to live out the great commandment. Now, I'm thinking of my kids when they were young of like, oh, there's only one cookie left. Who wants to be like Jesus and give it to their sibling? And, you know, one of them grabs it, shouts, you be Jesus next time and eats it. (laughs) Or you be Jesus this time. But we need to be able to receive. And in order to receive, we need to ask for help. But in order to ask for help in authentic ways, we need to understand and admit our deficits and our weaknesses. Now, I don't know how many of you like to broadcast your weaknesses. I'll just be honest. I hate it. 
I think most of us try to cover them up, but I just had one this morning. I didn't give clear direction, and so someone's like, I didn't understand what you wanted me to do. Giving clear direction is a weakness for me, and so I've got to ask for help in that way, and I did. See, when we identify our areas of weakness and need, and we allow others to help us, we actually give them dignity. Can you list what your weaknesses are authentically and honestly? I'm not saying you have to do it in the comments, but you could. As we think about how we can love our neighbors the rest of this summer, one thing is be looking for neighborhood bingo. It should be coming out this week. We're going to try and get that figured out. It, it, it's inspired by the book and the resource, The Art of Neighboring. If you haven't checked that out, I encourage you to. But even just more specifically this week, what can you ask for help from a neighbor? Do you have a project or maybe a birthday party that you're going to do outside or maybe a grad party? Um, or maybe you know a neighbor that could help you plan a neighborhood party outside in the neighborhood. What are the ways that you can ask for help? Now, one of our restoration friends did just that. It was reluctant at first, but the result was amazing. So here's a picture of Christy. Christy is a mom. She's also a charge nurse at a nearby hospital. And Christy embodies this strong, independent woman. But she also knows that strong and independent can easily slide over to pride. Now, she recently bought a house, and she and her family spent all day packing and moving that house, and putting it in this truck, and she said what was easily the hottest and most humid day of the year. And so that evening, they weren't quite done. The kids had gone to bed, and she stood around looking around her townhouse at all the things that she still had to do. And she just slid down on the floor and cried. She was physically and mentally exhausted, and she knew her kids were too. And, and actually, she knew she couldn't stop. She was scheduled for an overnight shift at the hospital. Her closing was the next morning, and if that's not enough, her youngest daughter's birthday was the next day as well. And so she just prayed, Lord, help me to have the strength to get this all done. And instead of feeling this burst of energy and stamina, she felt like God was telling her to ask for help except he was asking, telling her to ask for help kind of publicly, like putting it out there on Facebook, which is exactly what all of us want to do, right? All of us, especially us women, um, her words, not mine, is to show Facebook our, our messy, our, our, me and my hot mess, as she likes to say. And so she's going back and forth, negotiating with God about how asking for help on Facebook is this bad idea. I don't want to look needy. I don't want to look weak. I don't want to look unable to do things for myself. And in that moment, she sensed God putting Proverbs 16, 18 in her mind. Pride goes before destruction. And God said, you don't have to do this yourself. I never asked you to. And so she swallowed her pride, she post, posted this plea for help, and then she went to bed. Then the next day, her home was filled with people from all walks of her life. 
They were already starting to help. They were doing their best to spread out and socially distance. She had friends from 10 years ago show up. She had current friends and coworkers show up. She even had her kid's preschool teacher. None of them are in preschool. And her three teenagers show up. We even had people from restoration staff show up. And the next day, they followed it up with more of the same, including her mom's coworker's son and friend that she'd never met. Imagine introducing yourself to someone that came specifically to help you move. And when everything was in her new home and everyone was gone, she slid down on the couch and cried. But this time, it was tears of gratitude. She could not believe how much God had blessed her because she chose to listen to him, to lay down her pride, and to ask for help. And as one of the people who got to see this in person, I was blessed. It was beautiful. Friends, beautiful things happen when we ask for help. And if you're still resistant to this, I want you to remember that the God who is all-powerful and almighty became weak so that we could be strong. Jesus, though he was God, did not think of himself, did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, but instead he gave up his divine privileges. He took on the humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being. This is the Christian story. This is humanity's story. That Jesus appeared in human form and he humbled himself in obedience to God, even dying a criminal's death on the cross. And it was God who then elevated him to this place of highest honor and gave him the name that is above every name. Notice how no one ever swears in the name of other gods. They take the name of Jesus Christ in vain because they know the power of it. And one day, people won't be taking it in vain. Instead, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord for the glory of God the Father. This is our story. This is why we can ask for help too. Because when we are weak, then we are strong. Let us hear God's response to the Apostle Paul when he asks God to remove the burdens that he faced in his life. God said, my grace is all you need. Friends, can that be true today? That God's grace is all you need. That you do not have to be the strong one. You do not have to be the one that always gives. That you can give out of God's abundance, but you can receive out of God's abundance that his grace is all you need, that his power works best in weakness. So like Paul, can we be glad to boast about our weakness? Can the power of Christ work through us because we boast about our weakness? Can we take pleasure in our weakness, in our needs, in our inadequacies, in the insults and hardships and persecutions and the troubles that we suffer because when we are weak, then we'll be strong. Would you pray with me? God, we lift up your name as we did in song, as we do in 
in this time, God, as we hear in your word, your name is lifted up regardless of our actions. We want, like Amos proclaims, for justice to roll down. Like Jesus says, for there to be meaning and purpose and faith and mercy and faithfulness that come out in just ways. We want to not neglect, God, these small matters of the law, but we also don't want to neglect, neglect the heavy matters of the law. And we know that your law isn't a set of rules. It's just the guide for life. Lead us into life, Jesus, today. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, about those neighbors around us that, that we don't need to get to know by giving to them, that we actually can build relationship by receiving from them. Speak to us, God. Thank you that you receive us in our weakness. Help us to live from that place of dependence because we don't need others to see our greatness. We want others to see your greatness. So God, may we have the opportunity to show others your greatness this week in humble ways. Amen.